Verses up on the screen. We're going to start off Matthew chapter, well, we're going to start off in Psalm 24.1. How about that? Psalm 24, verse 1. I've been talking for the past uh, several weeks um, about identity in Christ, what it means to be in Christ, and who we are because of our faith in Christ. I've been using these boxes that Mr. Louis Giglio uh, has used before, and I've kind of made a few changes and stretched it out a little bit. And um, we've been talking about how in the New Testament it talks about um, us being in Christ and Christ being in us, and there's just a lot of inclusive language. Um, Maybe if you've been around church for a while and you've heard people uh, maybe talk about asking Jesus into your heart, and stuff like that, and that's um, that's very simply uh, stating a very important and significant and deep uh, truth about what happens when we uh, have a relationship with Christ, and um, Jesus rescues us from uh, sin and from a situation that we could not change. We could not. Uh, there was a separation between us and God because of sin, and we could not change that. And Jesus came, and because of that, um, we have this. Uh, this really um, hard to understand but easy to understand relationship with God. And I, it's, I say it's both because I think we can all understand it to a, to a point, and then there comes a point beyond that where we're like, okay, I don't really get it past that, and that's where a lot of our faith comes in. So I've been using these boxes to kind of illustrate it, um, and well, this isn't a box, but um, using these uh, Tupperware, Rubbermaid, whatever kind of things. Um, this one says you on it. Last week we colored it red. Uh, to illustrate how the image of God um, in us was distorted um, and and all that kind of stuff. And so I would just basically say, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you can go listen to the podcast. And um, although I was thinking about it the other day, all this is visual, and there's no visual on a podcast. So, um, you know, whatever. So uh, go listen to them, and it'll be easier. Um, And so here's the basics of what we're talking about. There's you. When, when you and I repent of our sin and we, and we say, I need a Savior in order to reconcile me to the Lord, and we recognize Jesus as that Savior and what he did on the cross, um, um, paying all of our debt, um, we come into a relationship with Jesus. And when you ask Jesus into your heart, okay, to use the church phrase, it, this is what literally happens. He takes the sin out of us. He takes uh, our, our hearts that were hardened, and he puts his... his own spirit inside of us. And so we take this one that says Christ and we put it inside of us. And this is um, Jesus living in your heart. This is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It talks about us being, we're also in Christ. Um, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. Maybe you've seen that on a big banner in a church with like a butterfly on it or something. Um, that's uh, what's going on. So we're, Christ is in us, but we're also in Christ. And so we kind of represent that this way. And um, we are hidden with Christ inside of, of God um, is uh, also what the Bible says, and this is sealed and protected and kept by the Spirit of God. 
And so this is kind of what's going to represent us. And you're in there, okay? You're in there. But mostly, uh, when, when God looks at you, he sees himself. And when other people look at you, that's really what they're seeing. They're seeing him. You're a walking, living, breathing, talking example of grace, and you are a miracle. And so we've kind of, we spent a couple weeks establishing that, and now we've been getting into some practical things of, okay, what kind of difference does this make, in, like, in real life? You know, we've talked about prayer, and we've talked about different things. And tonight we're going to talk about something that I've never preached about before, uh, but I, I think is incredibly relevant um, to a discussion about identity. We're going to talk about money. And some people, like, they hate church because it's, like, seemingly all about money and always talk about money and always talk about special offerings and all this kind of stuff, whatever. And, and that's not what tonight is about, okay? Um, tonight is not going to be about our church budget and if giving is up or down. Um, it is not going to be about tithing and trying to guilt you into uh, doing that. Um, it is not, it's not about that, all right? And, and it could be about that, because there's a lot in the Bible about those things. It's not going to be about materialism. It's not going to be about uh, consumerism. It could be about those things very easily, because there's a lot in the Bible about that, too. I'm going to do my absolute best to stay focused on what we're talking about, and in a series about identity, to talk about how this affects the way that we um, handle money, but more so how we even view it and the role that it plays in our lives, Okay. So, um, I, I was really struggling uh, for weeks on how to do this in a way that, um, because there's so much in the Bible about it, it's like, where, how do you narrow down a text, you know, and like, where do you start, how do you, how do you, I mean, no wonder, like, churches will give, like, the month of January to teaching on it, because it's such a big topic, like, how do you do it in one night? Um, so, I just figured I would just take the next two hours and um, just, oh, all right. So we're going to put a, a statement up on the, on the screen, all right? And, and this, is, this is my own creation, and so um, if there's anything wrong with it, it's, it's definitely my fault. Um, but this is, this, this is what we're going to do tonight. We're going to put this statement up, all right, now. And we're going to put this statement up, and then we're going to unpack it, all right? And here it is. Be, because of my identity in Christ, money has a different role in my life. Everything about you has been changed now that you're in Christ. Has everybody read it? Okay. Everything about you is different now, all right? You look at relationships differently. You look at um, uh, possessions differently. You look at uh, your job differently. You look at your spouse differently. You look at your family differently. You look at the, your coworkers differently. You look at your neighbors differently. Everything about us is different. And so how do we view money um, as a redeemed saint um, this is my stab at it right here, all right? Um, money is entrusted to me in order to meet my needs and the needs of others, all for the glory of Christ. That's going to be, we're going to unpack that now in the next couple of minutes. If you like um, organized sermons, tonight's your night, all right? Don't get spoiled, that's like two in a row. And it's next week, random, like scattered, hard to follow, whatever, okay? So soak it all up if you can, all right? Money is entrusted to me in order to meet my needs and the needs of others, all for the glory of Christ. All right, let's dig into it a little bit. The first part, money is entrusted to me. I ask you to go to Psalm 24, 1. This is what it says. A Psalm of David. 
All right. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. All right. Fancy language. All right. The NIV says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Okay. And our statement, it said, money is entrusted to me. Now, I put me in there on purpose because I want you to think about you tonight. At first, I wrote it, I was like, money is entrusted to us. But I, I think sometimes we can, we can get a little too corporate and we avoid the, the personal and the specific. Okay? So because I'm in Christ, money is entrusted to me. And if you are in Christ and you're a Christian, that statement goes for you too. Money is entrusted to you. Now, this verse says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and, and everything that is in it. All right? God loans you some money. Not in a creepy way, not a loan shark. But every, every dime that you have is not yours. It is his. I mean, that's what the verse says. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And sure, the treasury prints up money and all this kind of stuff, and it's kind of a man-made thing or, or whatever, however you want to discuss it, but everything that, that is on the earth belongs to him. If you look in Matthew 25, you don't have to turn there, there's the, the parable of the talents. And the parable of talents begins where um, there's a master and he is about to go on a journey and so he uh, entrusts three of his servants with his property. That's a microcosm of what has happened. Is here's God who owns everything on the planet, including all the money, and he entrusts it to us. He's the owner of, of everything. Um, what's weird is that like, it goes against um, everything that we've ever been taught. You know? Because in the United States, you, know, you work for your money. And when you earn that money, you look at that paycheck and you're like, this is my money. When you get a raise, you're like, I got a raise. Or when you don't get a raise, you, I, I didn't get a raise. I got less money. And we're taught from a very young age, you got to work. You got to work hard. You got to try to get to the top. You got to make as much money as you possibly can. You got you to save. You got to do whatever. And so there, we're, it's shaped in us our entire lives that, that that is your money. Maybe when you were a kid, maybe you got an allowance. This is, I'm not against allowances. But remember like when you got an allowance and you got like that dollar or five dollars or, I don't know, whatever. Uh, and you got that and you're like, and then your parents are like, this is yours. And you got that first taste of freedom of being, I can spend this on whatever I want. So if the ice cream man comes down the road and he's playing Inchworm or whatever that song is that they play, is that what it's called? Is that what it's called? All right, um, that one. Thanks, Jonathan. <laughs> right on cue. Um, and the ice cream man comes down the road, and you want to go buy ice cream, you have your dollar that is now yours. What happens is the older you get, you, you know, and then you, you start to make a little bit more money. Maybe you babysit, or maybe you cut grass or something like that, and you start to make a little more money. And, and then, you know, the, you, eventually your parents are like, all right, kid, you got to get a job. And so you start working at, like, McDonald's or something like that, and, and you start to make a little more money. And, and then, like, maybe one day you save up and you, you buy a car or you, 
you try to pay insurance on the, the car your parents are letting you use or something like that. And you, get, you go to college, you get a student job, and all of a sudden you make a little more. And then like you get out of school, and then I know I've said it before, all of a sudden like your paycheck has a comma in it, and you're like, oh my gosh, I never ever thought that I would have like a comma in my paycheck. And, and, and then, um, then you go out, and, and then there's like these offers that are coming in. You're making more money than you ever thought. And, and what happens is that, that mindset of when you were you know, six and you got a dollar as an allowance, it just transfers the, our whole lives. We're like this. This is, is is my money, and so you start to think, how do I how do I want to spend my money? And everything is just it's really really possessive. We become like you know like Smeagol in the Ring, you know, or whatever. And it's like, like you, it's like this creepy like deal, you know. I should stick to my notes. Um, it goes against everything that we're taught, and every and, and so much of how we think. And we don't think of, when you get that paycheck, you, we don't think of it theologically as God saying, Look, uh, like, all right, of all the money that I have, which is all the money in the world, I'm going to entrust this amount to you. It's mine, and I'm letting you use it. It all starts with him. It all comes from him. And so our identity in Christ over here has got to change the way we look at that paycheck or that cash that we're, we're paid, or however, whatever money comes your way, um, it has to change the, the way that you look at it. Instead of looking at, look how hard I've worked, and look at what I have earned, and I, I make so much more than I used to, or I'm really feeling the impact of the economy, and I'm not making as much, and, and, and a dollar doesn't go as far, and, and we have this really just sick, sick relationship with money and with our bank account and all that kind of stuff. And, and instead of that, we have to look at our money, and we have to say, look, look at what God has, has given me. Look at what he has loaned to me. Look at what he has entrusted me with. Everything is his. Now, now, let me just kind of like hit pause real quick. Please don't go and get all insecure if you don't make a lot of money. See, the, the parable of the talents is about a whole lot more than money. All right? He's entrusted his servants with his property and so in that story, it has to do with, uh, with money. When we talk about stewardship, we're talking about, I mean, God has given us so much more than that. God entrusts us, you know, every relationship is his, and so he entrusts us with some relationships. Um, every uh, possession on the earth is his, so he entrusts us with, you know, maybe a car or maybe, a, you know, a house or maybe close to where or whatever. Um, everything is his to start with, and so, um, like, that is, you know, something we have to look at as well. Um, he entrusts us with the gospel message and um, he entrusts us with money. There's all these different things that he entrusts with us. So, so don't, don't sit there and get all down on yourself and think, well, God, I must not be very trustworthy because God has not given me a whole lot of money. It's not about that. But tonight is definitely not about that. And we're talking about money and identity, so I'm going to talk about money, but please don't, don't connect dots that don't exist. And don't think, well, God must not love me very much, or or don't think God must love them so much more because they make more than me. It's not about that. Our stupid country makes it about that. Our culture makes it about that. But it's not about that. Okay? So our, our identity in Christ, first of all, we have to look at it as he has entrusted me with this money. All right? The second thing uh, is this. Um, he, um, money is entrusted to me in order to meet my needs. All right, let's look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 
in order to meet my needs. Now, we're going we're gonna to be a little bit self-centered now, okay? And I think it's okay. Not, we're not going to get prideful and whatever. We're going to acknowledge the way that God takes care of us. And so it's okay to feel special, all right? Matthew chapter 6 lays it on the line very well. This is Jesus speaking, starting in verse 25. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, more, uh, are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious about it, uh, don't be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He's in, God entrusts money to me in order to meet my needs. Uh, we obviously live in a world where... Um, Needs, costs. And so God uses money to meet our needs. So let's, let's go back to the paycheck deal. You get that paycheck, and the first thing you think is, God has entrusted this to me to meet my needs. And so the way God takes care of our practical needs in different ways. Um, for, for many people, he provides for your practical needs by giving you a job. So you don't work to make money. God has given you a job in order to provide for the financial way to meet the practical needs that you have. And so from that check, God has entrusted you and said, okay, here you go, pay your rent, pay your mortgage, pay your electricity bill, or whatever. Maybe, maybe the way that he meets your needs, maybe it comes through other, other means, like maybe, maybe your parents or a means through which God provides to meet your practical needs. And so what happens is the focus is not your parents, the focus is God using your parents. Maybe your practical needs are met through the generosity of other people. Maybe it's through the generosity of a church. Maybe it's through the generosity of um, a trust fund that your grandparents set up. I mean, you know, who knows? Who knows? All those things are different ways that God meets your needs. It will be wrong for us to, to focus on the means instead of the source. And so whatever way your practical needs are being met, all of them are coming from God. So he's entrusting that to you through different means in order to meet your practical needs. Think about this too. Think about the emotional needs that are met. That God provides somehow this money that is able to go and, and to pay for um, shelter and for clothing 
and for food. And so what, what has to happen is our identity in Christ has, has got to just kind of just relax a little bit. That's what this passage is saying. He's like, why are you so anxious for stuff? I mean, look at birds. They, I mean, look at them. Like, they're taken care of. And you're, you're better than a bird. Look at the grass. You're better than grass. Look at these flowers. They're just flowers. They bloom and then they're dead. You can, you can do whatever you want with them. You can hang them upside down and dry them out and all this kind of stuff, whatever. But they're, they're whatever. He's like, Aren't, don't, don't you understand that when God looks at you, you're so much more important than that? If he's going to make a rose look that beautiful, or if he's going to take care of stupid grass, then surely he's going to take care of his kids, right? And so what has to happen is we have to, we have to just relax a little bit. It's like, don't be anxious about your life. Life's more important than the things that you're worried about. So God, is entr- he entrusts me with money in order to meet my needs. And that's how I have to look at it. Is I have to look at that check or money or however as, look at, look at, at how God has provided for me. And that's got to meet those emotional needs that we have to be cared for and to be valuable and to be loved and to be secure. That's why when the economy goes up and down and all this kind of stuff is going on, as Christians, we have to, we have to, we have to chill. Not in ignorance, but in confidence in who God is. And be like, oh, well, you know, gas goes up, it goes up. Stock market goes, you know, crashes. All right, well, then it crashes. All that really does is point back to the fact that this world is messed up and we need Jesus. And Jesus is not affected by the stock market. Jesus is not affected by the gas prices. And so he meets those practical needs and he meets those emotional needs. And he meets those spiritual needs. To know that Abba, Father, cares about you. See, money is tangible grace. That's how we have to look at it. Then when money comes your way, whether it's a paycheck or generosity of someone else or, or, or whatever, we have to look at that and we have to, that's supposed to have us be just in awe of the grace of God. There's some, some ways, some things about grace that we, we, can't, we can't grab a hold of. We can't really see. So much of it is like we feel it and we sense it and it doesn't make it any less real, but isn't it great that there are just some times where, where, like, where you, can, you can pick it up and you can hold it? You could say, this is the, God's grace showing up in my life. The only reason that you or I get anything from him, that he entrusts anything to us, is because he is gracious. That's how our identity in Christ changes the way we look at money. We look at it as his, that he is entrusting to us because he is gracious. And his, he, and his graciousness and his compassion and his love for us, he wants to take care of our needs. Maybe it's through a job, maybe through it's, it's through someone else, or maybe, maybe it comes in at the last possible second. But it's always there. So money is entrusted to me in order to, to meet my needs. The next point. And also to meet the needs 
of others. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If God entrusts money to me to meet my practical needs, and I, and I see that as his grace in my life, when, when that grace is then passed on to other people, it is, it is like, it is grace flowing in their direction. To flood other people with the grace of God in every way that we can, including our money. Let's read this, starting in verse 6. He's, been, he's kind of been talking about this, you know, some money issues and all this kind of stuff, whatever. And then he, he gets right down to the, to the point. He says, verse 6, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. All right, let, let's stop right there. Giving, verse 7 again, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Giving to others and meeting the needs of others, is, it's a heart issue. It is a spirit-led issue for us. We don't give because we have to, we don't give because we're supposed to. Like it says, not reluctantly, not under compulsion. It's not about guilt. It's not about rules. When we see money as grace, our desire as believers is to pass grace on to other people, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's what we live for, is to have the, all the grace bestowed upon us just to have it passed on, whoever we can, wherever we go, and whatever means we can. When it comes to money... It's a heart thing. And so that's why we're not going to get in here and beat you over the head with rules and statistics and, you know, all that kind of stuff. For far too long, people have sat in churches where it's all about that, you know. It's live by the Spirit and have live by faith and all this kind of stuff, except for this area right here. We're not going to we're not going to make an exception to that. And so it's a heart issue. Look at the next verse. And God, this is verse eight, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. All right, look at that. There's a lot of alls in there. All grace, all sufficiency in all things at all times. You may abound in every good work. There's not much more that can be said to that. And it gets better. Verse 9, as it is written, he is distributed freely, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. That verse is amazing. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You ever think about that? That God has given you something only 
so that, uh, well, not only. God has given you something for two reasons. One, to take care of you, and two, so you can take care of other people. And sometimes, let's all be honest, we, we, we take care of ourselves a lot. Like I said, it's not about materialism. I'm not getting into all that because it's all stuff that we know. We know that, that living within our means is a struggle for a lot of us. We know that. We know that, that debt is a problem. We know that we're supposed to take care of the poor and the needy, and we're supposed to be living within our means enough to, to whenever needs pop up, we can address them and we can help meet them. Like We know that stuff. And our identity in Christ, has, it's got to change the way we look at our money. It has to. And I don't know if it's because, because for so long we've not wanted to talk about it or we've talked about it in the wrong way or we just continue to make this like an exception to life or what. I don't know what it is, but talk about change. Talk about um, transformation in your life to get to the point where or you give as a discipline because you're refusing to let money control you. And you've probably experienced that before. You have, have probably been in a situation where, where you have given something away. Whether, maybe it's money. Maybe it's um, like a coat that you're wearing. Maybe, maybe it is um, food that you just picked up. Maybe you saw somebody on, on the street that had a sign that they were hungry and you went through McDonald's and you got them something to eat. You, you come away from that and it, it crushes that idol, doesn't it? That's when you really are. Like, it's just stuff. It's just money. That person is more important than, than this. I have too much. I live in excess. I live beyond my means. And, and you get to that point, and there, it just resonates, and there's something absolutely right about it. And the struggle is, is to live there consistently. And so this is talking about God has, has given you all this stuff so it can overflow into the lives of other people. And in the, in the New Testament, we see, we see kind of two models of giving. Um, one there's, uh, that you can see in Acts chapter 2, where, um, like, yeah, I mean, if there was a need, people sold their stuff and they met it. Well, that's all there was to it. I mean, it was like, wait, what, what's wrong? You don't have any food? Well, I got some extra stuff. I'll be right back. And they go, and somehow they sell it, and they take the money and they give it to them. They're like, here, feed your family. You know, I have too many coats. I have too many televisions. I have too, too many whatever. And they go and they would sell it or they would make something. They would find a way to help meet the need so that nobody among them was, was in need. And when you read that, and you're like, man, that, that's, that's beautiful. They just didn't have needy people around them, at least not for very long. The other thing that we see is like in, in Acts chapter 4 where they, they, they go and they sell their stuff and they take the money and they bring it and they lay it at the apostles' feet and they're like, you guys are seeing needs all the time that, that we don't see. We're going to entrust you to spend this money however it needs to be spent on whatever ministry, whatever about the kingdom needs to happen. And so that's why we have the table that sits back there, and that's why we have an offering that's collected, and it goes into a budget that allows our church to be able to function and to be able to, to take care of things we need to take care of, and when needs pop up, we're able to meet them. And then um, there, I mean, there are, are some salaries tied up in that, from uh, the elders of the church believing that, that God has, has brought some people in. And so some of that money is going to take care of, of, I'm one of them, going to take care of my needs so that I can devote myself fully to functioning in the way I'm supposed to function. And so we see both of those things existing in the New Testament. 
And what that tells us is that that is what hearts fully alive and a perspective that is completely um, Christ-centered and, um, and identity that is secured. That's how people looked at their money. That's how people looked at their possessions. That's how people looked at the needs of other people. And so as we give that money, whether you put it back there or whether you give it directly to other people, it's, it's that, that generosity, you know, that we could live generously, that we would be content with the things that we really need, and that everything else that God brings our way financially or, or however else, and everything else we look at as a way to take care of other people. And that we live in such a way where we get excited when a need pops up. Not because someone's struggling, but because God has graced us with a way to be able to pass that grace on to them. And so God has entrusted me with money in order to meet my needs and to meet the needs of others. That has to be, that has to be the way we look at it. And if that means that you go back and you sit down, re, you reorganize your budget, you prioritize things, you go and you have a garage sale and you get rid of so much of the stuff that you know you don't need and you give all that money to a family who needs it or you put it back there and you give it to the church or you give it to a nonprofit or whatever, then, then we do that. And you look at, at the money that you have and, 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 you, and you, use those, those, you use these ideas and you say, all right, my needs being met, cool. Um, how can I help meet the needs of others? And you restructure your budget. Maybe you don't go home and do it tonight. Maybe you need to make it a goal over several months where you're like, I want to live within my means. I want to increase my giving that I put back there. You know, and, and so much, you know, I'm trying not to say the word tithe, you know, because people love that word, you know. Uh, not really. Um, because tithing is like this big issue or whatever. In the Old Testament, it was like, I want 10%. And whether it was money or whether it was corn, I don't know if they grew corn, but uh, whether it was crops or wheat, all right, we'll go with that. Um, it was 10% of whatever came in. That's, that's what God wanted. He's like, you give me 10%. And it was, I mean, there was a, it was very much legitimate. And when they didn't do it, God got mad at them. And when they did it, he blessed them. And now as, as you know, a, a new covenant believer, um, we tend to look at that and we say, oh, okay, well, that, I'm not going to live by that rule. I'm going to pray about what I give. Absolutely. Like I said earlier, I mean, it's, don't, it's not about compulsion and it's not about guilt and it's not about living by the Spirit in every way but letting your calculator determine how much you put in the plate back there or whatever. But at the same time, why would God want less from us on this side of the cross? Why would God in the Old, in the old Covenant be like 10% but now he's like, eh, I don't know, three and a half, whatever. It's whatever, whatever you got left over at the end of the month. Why would he want less? Everything else in the entire New Testament is about is above and beyond. Everything Jesus says, you know, Jesus is like, you were taught this, but I'm teaching you this, and he just blows them out of the water. You know, and it's like if someone wants you to go a mile with them, go the second mile. If someone asks for your, you know, coat, then you know, give him what your shoes too, or I forget the verses. Ain't this? I'm gonna give you ten percent of my coat. It's like, no, you take the whole thing. There's so much more in the New Testament about that. It's, it's, it's generosity. Here's the thing. You will not be generous if you look at money as yours. I'm not generous when I look at my, my money, my budget, my whatever. When I see it as the grace of God flowing into my life to meet my needs and everything else flows into the lives of others, then guess what? That's, that's when we'll be a part of a community that is 
changing the lives around us. God's entrusted me with money to meet my needs and meet the needs of others, all for the glory of Christ. So look at this last part. Verse, uh, verse 11. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission, flowing from your confession of the gospel in Christ, and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Everything, is it's all about his glory, all right? It's all his. He entrusts it to us and meets our needs for his glory, and that everything else is passed on to others to, um, for the building up of them and the grace of them, and so that points to him. All of this stuff is about him. It starts with him. It ends with him. It's all about him. It always will be forever and ever and ever. I don't know if you can look at your life and you can say, God is glorified by the way I look at my money and spend my money and think about my money and whatever. But I can tell you this, change a whole lot when you start thinking, I wonder if God is glorified by his money. And by the way, I am a steward of his money and how Others are blessed by his money through me. We take, take the us out of it. Everything changes. I don't, and I don't know like where, like where this hits home with you, and it may not. Maybe it's about the first part. Maybe, maybe it's about just not even thinking about money as being his. Maybe it's, maybe it's not really um, as far as your needs being met. Maybe it's not something that you ever really think about. God, thanks for my job, you know. Thanks for the generosity of other people. Thanks for the way that every time I have a need and I get all stressed out, you always meet it the most random ways. Maybe it's about saying thank you. Maybe it's, maybe it's about the, maybe you're like, you know what, I, there's not a lot of generosity flowing out of my life, financially or otherwise. Or maybe you just never really thought about the glory of Christ as pertaining to your financial lifestyle. I don't know, that's, that's for, God, for God to sort out and for him to show you. And so here's what, what we're going to do. We're going to sing, and um, we're, we're going to do, do three songs. And each of these songs addresses one of those areas. One is about thankfulness for God meeting our needs. Another one is about generosity. Another one is about the glory of God. And those are strategically done, and so we're going to just respond and just allow God to kind of move us through those points, um, which I've, it's kind of weird. Like, I've never really, like, done that to the point of, like, explaining, you know, that. And so let's just, let's just see what he does. Let's see what he does in us. So if you would, let's stand up. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to just respond through song and prayer and just see what he has.
God, we come to you tonight um, just openly admitting that um, we have issues with materialism and being consumers and not trusting you with our needs and all that kind of stuff. God, I'm going to just assume that we all want to be more generous than we are. We all want you to be glorified in every area of our lives. And so um, as we move through these songs, God, we just we want you to stir things in us and maybe bring some things to the service that need to be prayed through in the coming days. And maybe you need to convict. Maybe you need to encourage. Um, So God, will you help us tonight to be thankful and to have hearts that are generous and want to to pass on the grace that we've received from you and to, to pass that on to others. God, may it all be for your glory and your fame. We love you, Father, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.